0: Hey everyone, it's Clarissa here from the Thriving Through Menopause podcast. You know, as I talk to women around the world, I know that more than ever, we're looking for holistic ways to manage our menopause and to feel empowered that we're in control of our own health and healing during this vital life transition. I sit down each week with amazing guests to talk about ideas, strategies, approaches, and opportunities to help us thrive through menopause. Episodes drop every Tuesday, so I hope that you'll join us. And I have a little request for you, that if you find value from the stories, lessons, and wisdom that we share, I'd like you to support this podcast. One way you can do that is to hop on to wherever you listen to podcasts and like and subscribe and share it so that others can hear the messages too. You might want to buy me a coffee to help me keep this podcast up and running. And I'd love you to subscribe to my newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Don't forget, episodes drop every Tuesday and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart being part of this community, listening to this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the new content that's coming up in this new season. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I have got a wonderful guest for you today. We're going to dive deep into perimenopause, menopause, hormone therapy, nutrition, and much more. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Jennifer Woodward. She is a functional diagnostic nutrition professional practitioner. She's the creator of FDN Business, and I know she's very passionate in this area of hormones and health. Welcome, Jennifer, to Thriving Through Menopause.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation and, and just diving in. But I'd love to start at the beginning. I mean, obviously, you have a strong background in, in nutrition, but what is a functional? diagnostic nutrition professional <laughs>
1: yes yeah that's a good question it is a lot of words and a lot of syllables so we we shorten that and we say fdnp just because it's a lot easier to roll off the tongue so a functional yeah, diagnostic yeah. nutrition practitioner fdnp we we are health coaches so we work with clients you know with a an array of symptoms but what differentiates us as health coaches is that we're trained in functional lab work so we're not doctors we don't diagnose treat or prescribe but we are trained to go into the systems of the body and use these functional labs to really, you know, suss out some of the imbalances in the body, like in the hormone system, the immune system, detoxification, digestion, endocrine system, nervous system. So, you know, using a, a, a Bevy, a functional lab test, we're really able to get, you know, that black and white data for our clients that are, uh, is it, very compelling, you know, compelling not only for the women that we, that we work with, but then the men that love them, that love data. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very data, dri- very data driven. So the the kind of tests that we you know we've talked maybe here on the show about before, things like the Dutch test and other lab tests are what are involved in in this, Jennifer.
1: That is one of them. That's my favorite test. I just love the Dutch test so much looking at, you know, all, all of the, the hormones that, that women um, can have trouble with. But then also the GI map for gut health, where we're looking at things like parasites and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and markers for digestive, you know, capacity and dysfunction. And we love our, our hair tissue mineral analysis, looking for, you know, minerals that are out of whack or metals. We look at thyroid. Um, there really are, you know, quite a few. But again, I, I'm a dad nerd, Clarissa, so I just love getting test days like Christmas <laughs> Day for me. I'm like, oh, we have more more results coming in. This is great.
0: <laughs> That's really, really good. And obviously, perimenopausal women are a big part of your business today.
1: They really are. They have my heart. When When I started with my practice, you know, eight years ago, uh, you know, a lot of my clients were in their early 30s. And now a lot of my clients are in their early 40s. And so um, just kind of walking with my women uh, through through that, that early perimenopausal stage, and now straight into perimenopause, has made me go deep into, you know, the clinical side and the research side and, and, and really um, seeing a lot of the symptoms pop up time and time again, right? We know that, Perimenopause can happen anytime between the age of about 35 and 50, and it is when a woman's estrogen levels start fluctuating wildly and her progesterone levels start to decline. So with that, we see a pretty typical cluster of symptoms, including insomnia, weight gain of about 5 to 11 pounds without changing diet or exercise patterns, mood disorders, specifically anxiety, and then also pretty extreme irritability. And then we see a lot of PMS, you know, getting worse, almost like you, it was when you were going through puberty. Um, And then um, a lot of of fatigue and brain fog, just, just a woman doesn't feel well. And it's again, this cluster of symptoms, including really wonky periods that make her just confused. Like it feels like there's something wrong with me, but I can't quite put my finger on it.
0: (laughs) That's quite a good way. I think a lot of people I meet say, well, um. I'm not sure who I am anymore. I, yeah. I, you know, what happened to me? Yeah, yeah. Definitely a lot of, a lot of confusion. Right. Um, and out of those, I hear a lot of people using Dutch tests yeah. as, as a key marker there. Yeah.
1: Yes. Although yep. we
0: can't diagnose perimenopause, can we? We just follow <laughs> symptoms.
1: Unfortunately not. There is no, no diagnosis for perimenopause. No, nope. it's
0: just mapping the symptoms. Yeah. And then, and then really, I suppose that, that, you know, how does functional diagnostic nutrition, FDMP help in this space? How does it then see these results and then say, okay, you are because of your symptoms and what we can see you're in perimenopause. Now what?
1: Right. Yeah. So a lot of, A lot of that, you know, for a perimenopausal woman would start with something like a Dutch test or the stress and hormones panel, which is a salivary panel. And again, you know, perimenopause really is characterized by, by those fluctuating levels of estrogen. So we can have really high estrogen one month, really low estrogen one month, and then that lowered, you know, consistently lower progesterone. So I know if on a Dutch test or a salivary panel, I'm seeing really elevated levels of, you know, estrogen and really low levels of progesterone, that's a pretty good indicator, especially if the woman's over about age 35, that she's at least transitioning into menopause. If we couple that with a lot of the symptoms, of like hormone imbalance, like increasing period, um, you know, cramps and and pain and, and, you know, that that increased PMS, maybe heavier flow, increased clotting, um, or even skipping periods, then I know that's another indicator, okay, this woman's probably in perimenopause. Bye. But that's something that, that the testing itself can show us that mostly just corroborates the symptoms that that a lot of those women will have.
0: Yes. But this is not something they'd ever get if they went to their doctor, is it? They Generally they get not. Nothing. I do
1: get a lot of questions about, that. <laughs> well, can my doctor run this test? And unfortunately, mo- most doctors can't. Some doctors can. They're trained in the Dutch, more functional doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a, a traditional, you know, allopathic practitioner isn't even aware of the Dutch at this point, let alone, you know, is not running it because it's not covered by insurance, unfortunately, and it's at a, an out-of-pocket cost
0: yeah so this means that women are are having to pay for this test themselves they are yeah yeah but then they've got this test so how does how do you play in there obviously they might want to go to their clinician and get and get support but then what
1: so i tell my clients i'm I'm not a doctor i can't diagnose treat or prescribe but what i can do is teach you how to read these lab tests on your own so that's what we do i spend since i'm not a doctor i have the time to afford with my clients to go through 30, 45, 60 minutes, where we really sit down. And by the time we've left that meeting, they understand every single marker on the Dutch test and what it means for them. You know, we go in and we approach this from an alternative, um, you know, standpoint. So yes, we might work on some supplements, you know, based on anomalies or imbalances that we find on the Dutch test. But really what we're doing, 98% of it is focusing in on diet, you know, what are what are what's the backbone of, of healthy hormones? Well, it's, It's cholesterol, you know, we have cholesterol based (laughs) hormones, right? So they they need those fatty acids in order to build healthy estrogen and progesterone levels. You know, we need cofactors like B6 and zinc and iodine to have healthy hormones. So going in and addressing the nutritional needs, if we see hormone imbalances can be really powerful. A really powerful intervention. Then we work on rest and exercise and stress management, other really powerful interventions. And then, as yes. a the last resort, really, supplements. You know, I, I don't see that a lot of women need supplements long term um, if we can focus in on those no. other lifestyle interventions.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite, quite good. I think we're seeing a, a rise, aren't we, Jennifer, lots of supplements out there um, as if they were, that's it. You know, and, and every time I open social media, it's just a flood of supplement companies. Take this and your hormones will be balanced. Yeah. And like, oh, <laughs> you just, I just, if you don't, you're listening to this in audio, you should have seen Jennifer's body language. You feel she's sort of going, oh, no. <laughs> You know, but I mean, that's very misleading, isn't it, Jennifer, for people, Maybe. because, yeah. um, you know, a good based diet is, is probably much better for managing symptoms, especially some of the weight.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, Clarissa. Absolutely. Especially on that weight front. And I think, you know, we're, we're trained as, as Western women, you know, for, if, if we look at things from the, the traditional medicine point of view, we have this phrase, like a pill for every ill, right? Oh, you want to lose weight? Here's a pill or a shot, right? Oh, you have high blood pressure. Here's a pill. You know, Oh, you have a headache. Here's a pill. So, you know, it, it's a, Pretty, it's pretty far removed, even for those who are kind of transitioning over into the alternative or integrative side of things, um, to not have that same thought process. they like, oh, you have a headache? Well, here's a supplement for your headache. Oh, you can't poop? Here's a supplement for your poop. When, again, that's really reductionistic um, and not not really helpful for the body as a whole because the body is a whole. You know, and food and stress mm. management, and brain chemistry are are so much more powerful for you know reducing symptoms and increasing hormonal balance, especially for women who are very cerebral, emotional creatures, like it or not. <laughs> right? Um, they, they need that kind of. They need that integrative medicine. They need mm. that alternative, holistic healthcare, mm. and not just a supplement. Um, you know, oftentimes women will have a whole drawer full of supplements, and they still feel pretty crappy. <laughs> they don't. They don't know why. They're like, oh. Take (laughs) well that's
0: probably not doing much yeah yeah because you know i'm a chinese medicine practitioner and and work with nutrition therapy on that side it's very different from western but the first thing my my teacher said ask your clients how long have you been on your supplements (laughs) and he said and then ask them and Uh, Is there a difference? And if they answer, they don't know, maybe tell them to take them away for a bit. And then, you know, notice if they feel any different. And I think there's a lot of selling into women of these vast array of supplements. And then you you take them a long time, and you're not really sure they might make some shifts. I mean, obviously, there are some that are brilliant, like D3 and magnesium, which are phenomenal. Um, But a lot of them, we're taking them, in, and we're not really sure that they've made a long-term shift.
1: Yep. It, yeah. Especially more of like the the compounded supplements. Like you were kind of mentioning, Clarissa, earlier, just with opening up Instagram, and there's a you know supplement with thirty different ingredients that says it'll solve your hormone issues, and we have no idea if those you know if those are going to help or not, or if you react to one of those things, or not react to one of those things, or if one of those supplement you know pieces uh, interacts with, with a medication or another supplement you're on. So it, it really yeah. can be a bit of a tricky business. You're absolutely right that there are certain, you know, true nutrients that we need. You, you mentioned D3 yes. and, and magnesium, 100% our bodies need those things because they're, they're, they're things we need. Like we can be deficient in that, but we can't really be deficient yeah. in something like ashwagandha, you know, or, uh, you know, a, a hormone uh, triad just because those aren't those aren't endemic to the body. So it's better to kind of look to the body and repeat those things that could actually be missing like D3 or magnesium or zinc or iodine before you try a a whole host of, you know, herbs and pills.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I think if you want to use herbs or pills, go to someone who can actually prescribe for you for a particular issue rather than just... So, so we're back to food, aren't we? Really, Jennifer, as our first point of um, call, aren't we? And what can be that? And and how do you? I mean, you're obviously a good diet. Well, how do you kind of frame that up as a as a good diet for someone?
1: I do think it varies, you know, from woman to woman. I think that women do have different needs, and mostly with my clients, I'm just trying to encourage them, like. What what is true nourishment? Like what is true nourishment to you? you know, what does that look like to you? If I have a woman who's been very restrictive with her diet for years and years and years, and she's eating eight or 10 foods because she's terrified of food, I, my objective is to get, you know, more food into this woman, more calories, more nutrient, more more nutrient diversity, you know, and if I have a woman who's just eating a standard American diet, then we're going to probably want to take away some of those foods that aren't, aren't nourishing her body. So that, that, that framework of what is nourishing is generally what I go into each client experience with. And, um, you know, some of the basic standards, things that are pretty nourishing for most women are getting plenty of protein like even more protein than you than you think you need you know at least 30 to 40 grams of protein three to four times a day maybe more Um, you know and and getting plenty of foods that are high in our major stress minerals so potassium magnesium And sodium, we really want lots of good fruits and vegetables and meats and nuts, you know, no, no one's going to be surprised, Clarissa, when I tell them, hey, eat a whole foods diet rich in protein, that doesn't blow anybody's mind. Everyone knows they're supposed to eat that. The whole point is, you know, can you get enough of those good things? So that it shuts down the body's cravings for other things. And that's the protein to energy yeah. hypothesis from Dr. Ted Naiman and Marty Kendall that is really powerful and important. And, and basically it says that the body is biologically programmed to seek out a set number of protein grams every single day. And until we meet that protein threshold, the body continues to hunt and gather. And you can hunt and gather like chocolate chip cookies and ice cream and chips and salsa but that's not really meeting that that protein threshold that you need so really that's where I go in first with clients is can we get you enough protein to shut off your cravings and start building that foundation of nourishment
0: yeah so so a, a, a sort of an emphasis on macros if we like if people know what that is but definitely well I think we're hearing this protein story more and more. And I love that hunter-gatherer, you know, sort of analogy that we get we need to get enough protein. Of course we can get protein from many sources, can't we?
1: We really can. We really can. I mean, there's protein in fruits and vegetables, you know, there's protein in, in beans yeah. and nuts. So it's not just that you have to go eat a bunch of hamburger meat. You don't, you know. Um I, I prefer to have my women get some sort of animal protein at least once a day. It tends to be very calming to yeah. the nervous system. Um, but i also have ladies that are thriving on on plant-based diets you know as long as they're getting their protein
0: yes Uh, and i think that that's really i think that's an important thing that some people obviously have chosen a plant-based way of living but but yeah there's a lot of value in animal protein and and getting people to eat enough animal protein i think we i think we've gone past this. I don't know. We went through a phase. I think that was very popular out in social, wasn't it, Jennifer? Where animal protein was condemned. Yes. And and then now, I think we're now we're seeing it coming back in because we recognise that there are essential amino acids and also the satiety side of it. That you know, yes, beans are fantastic and we should be eating lots of them too. But somehow, you know, it, it's it's a little harder.
1: A little bit harder, a little bit harder on the tummy if you're going to use beans as your protein source to get 140 grams yeah. of protein a day. That can be hard on you and it's everyone tough. around you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, but obviously we get, as you said, protein from vegetables, nuts. Um, we can get that from eggs as well as animal sources, fish. Really, really, really good. So we get people eating enough protein. Yeah. Um, other things. I mean, obviously cutting sugar, sugar is a big one, isn't it? And sugar and weight are heavily connected, aren't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's why I'm pretty big just on that protein to energy hypothesis because human, I mean our, our bodies run on sugar, our brains run on sugar, sugar is not a bad thing um, you know but but when we look at where we are today with our food supply as opposed to 50 or 100 years ago, I mean my great great grandmother was eating sugar every day, she just wasn't overeating sugar, she was eating it as part of a balanced diet, maybe you know a slice of pie a few times a week, a little bit of sugar in her coffee but um, I, I feel like you know western women will swing for from one end to the other either no sugar at all which can lead to sugar cravings later or way too much sugar which <laughs> leads to you know weight gain and, a, and an improper appetite so I, I really try to see balance you know with a lot of my clients hey sugar nothing's bad you know sugar is not bad but are you eating sugar in place of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and, and meats in that case we'd want to shift to a little bit more of a whole food diet especially if we're trying to lose weight
0: yeah, definitely. So the, a whole fields diet is one of the routes for women to actually lose weight because being um, and this extra, whatever it is, kilos, pounds, we often gain, that's not inevitable and we can lose it, can't we, Jennifer?
1: Well, if we look at other countries, like third world countries, or if we just look back at history, you know, women have been going through a transition like this for for. Ever, right? They've every every woman everywhere yeah. has gone through that that little transition over into menopause. We haven't really considered yeah. it as perimenopause menopause because it hasn't been as big of a deal as it is now, right? Like, when, yes, women mm-hmm. will probably put on a little bit of weight as their estrogen levels fall, but not you know the the 20, 30 pounds that a lot of women tend to put on these days in perimenopause. And again, one of those reasons is an improper diet. But I like to ask, well, why? Why do we have that improper diet? And one of the main reasons that I see, and maybe you do too, Clarissa, is that women are just so stressed. They are so overworked and overwhelmed and underslept mm. and overdone that they yes. have to, you know, deal with their stress somehow. And no one's really, you know, spending an hour in prayer or meditation, no one's really, you know, spending an hour outside just doing nothing or walking in nature. So what, what do we do? Like we eat. <laughs> so, you know, by managing yes. the stress response and by, by taking an active role in settling your nervous system down each day, even that can cut down some of the cravings that a woman experiences. Because it's not it's not like, you know, one treat here or there, like your sugary coffee, that's causing a 20 or 30 pound weight gain. It's you restricting, 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 and then binging, you know, for a couple of days in a row, because you've been restricting your diet for so long. It's just this natural compensatory mechanism that grows and grows and grows in severity. So that's why, again, balance is so important. But that balance has to extend beyond just the diet, right? If you're going really hard yeah. at work all day or you're sitting in front of a screen all day or you're driving kids around all day, then we have to take that equal and opposite reaction with a stress response and a calming activities for the body. Like, mm. again, being in nature, taking an Epsom cell bath or sauna, doing some breath work just while you're sitting you know, in your work chair, shutting down your laptop for 30 minutes, just penciling yourself into your calendar for a for a meeting with yourself where you're not on the computer every day. Those things can be really powerful in, in weight loss, actually, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, because you know, we are stressed and cortisol, which is our main stress hormone, has a big role to play in our sleep, in our in what we eat, in what we crave. And, and obviously, when estrogen's on the decline, they're not the best of friends, are they? Cortisol and estrogen, they hang together Definitely terribly not. well.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that the lack of kind of calming effect so that, that estrogen has you know, that declining level of estrogen coupled with the declining level of progesterone can increase cortisol in the body. And, you know, for a lot of women, it's it's a it's a temporary increase where they're going in their their fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system overdrive, which then, you know, coupled with overstress and, and under eating, then segues into low levels of cortisol. And that's when women just feel completely burned out at the end of their rope, like they have nothing left to give. Yeah. And that happens time in perimenopause yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think sometimes we're talking about the other side, and we really have high levels of cholesterol. But you mentioned something important that this low cholesterol, um, cortisol—sorry, cortisol, this low cortisol level means that we're in that adrenal fatigue space.
1: Yep, yep, exactly mm. right, and that's mm. no fun either. because that yeah, you know, in perimenopause, women they're just at the prime they're taking care of kids they're taking care of parents they're you know working long hours at their job or their vocation so we need energy yeah. like we need those cortisol levels in our 30s and 40s and 50s and yes you know if they're not there a, a woman can feel pretty terrible
0: yeah absolutely and i think this is maybe what we see with this chronic this chronic fatigue that i i noticed and i'm sure you do jennifer that we have women just i'm so tired so what's tired. going on here it's so tired i'm exhausted i can't put and then i think what i see is a lot of people saying well that's because you don't sleep but it but as you said it's much more than that it is this crashing burning the burnout type of um symptoms we're seeing yep. in the midst of a, a big other sex hormone change going on
1: yeah burnout is, is the exact right term you know the the, the adrenal gland the, the body has just kind of started to shut down
0: yeah it's just shut down and so they're exhausted i mean what does that actually do beyond exhaustion in terms of perimenopause symptoms if we have burnout
1: yeah yeah burnout i mean number one it's real Um, Number two, you know, it's going to affect not only uh, your brain chemistry and and your mood, right? But then also your period because it's a stressor, right? If you're not making enough certain hormone, Mm -hmm. the body looks at that as as an internal stressor, which can further, you know, create this HPA axis dysfunction, this this adrenal dysfunction by having wonky levels of not just cortisol, but norepinephrine, uh, you know, and epinephrine. um, And and all three of those chemicals are going to determine whether or not you have enough energy to get through the day.
0: Yeah. So we become lethargic, low mood, um, just so tired, loss, loss of motivation, loss of joy, maybe even. Lots of joy. Yeah. Yeah. So getting people back on track from this begins the stress, management of stress, more rest.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that's that's probably a good time for us to talk about the the FDN dress protocol. So this is, you know, we've given you guys yes. all the bad news. Here's the good news <laughs> that there are things you can yes. do with it, right? <laughs> um, so the dress right. protocol, <laughs> and this is from our FDN founder, um, Mr. Reed Davis, brilliant man. Um, you know, it's diet, rest, exercise, stress management, and proper supplementation based on lab work. Right. So again, getting in that that whole foods, protein-heavy diet very helpful. Working on your rest, like getting seven to eight hours of sleep. And if you're not getting seven or eight hours of sleep, like this would be when we would run some of those hormone panels to see, you know, are you producing enough cortisol during the day? Are you producing enough melatonin at night? You know, too many stress hormones, you're not going to be able to sleep. Right? Right. Um, then we work on exercise. A lot of women either exercise too much or not enough, or they're not doing the right kind of exercise to build muscle and lose mm-hmm. weight in premenopause menopause. And it's not, you know, running 20 hours or 20 miles a week. It's just walking no, and no. doing, you know, strength training two to three times a week, lifting yeah. really heavy weights is going to be really important in premenopause menopause. Then that stress management, like the yeah. and I've touched on and, you know, doing your deep breathing and some breath work, taking up some salt baths, having really good sleep hygiene, maybe doing some yoga nidra, to reset your nervous system before bed, um, getting outside, doing some leisure time activities, you know, playing like a child for a little bit instead of always <laughs> acting like an adult. You don't have to always act like an adult. You can play a little bit. And then, um, you know, addressing supplementation needs based on lab work. So that's, that's really the long and short of it, of, of how I help women through menopause. You know, a lot of, functional practitioners
0: will help women yeah. In a yeah very very true and you sound like you're talking from my perspective too yes. because i'd be saying yes. exactly the same things you know diet is incredibly important and i would say today you know traditionally chinese medicine treated women with herbal formulas mm-hmm. um now more and more of the saying, start with diet yes yep and rest Yes. And 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 exercise and and then and then really meet and manage, calm your mind. So I don't I don't actually think it's interesting that we're all whatever our modality is, whatever sort of exact our tools are, we're actually saying the same sort of things. And I think these are the things sometimes that you put so concisely there, Jennifer, that get lost in the big conversations about all the stuff you can add in and all the hormone therapy. And we're sort of forgetting that there's some base fundamentals that are really, really supportive for women and are long term about long term living well as well because we can be doing these things when we're 30. We definitely should be doing them in perimenopause, but we should also be doing them when we're like me, sixty, seventy and older.
1: Very and so true. And it's really good that, that you bring that up too, Clarissa, just the like, you know, that that foundation, right? Um I have You know, people ask me all the time, Jennifer, what do you think about cold plunges and hydrogen water and, you know, all of these like, you know, saunas and I'm like, I think those are great interventions, but that's not the thing that's going to, you know, fix you. And if you're eating cruddy food and, you know, taking cold plunges, or if you're working, you know, 15 hours a day, but you're drinking hydrogen water or, you know, whatever it is, it's that's, that's not balanced. It's not, you know a healthy lifestyle so I always encourage my women look at your lifestyle look at your nutrition in terms of your ancestors what was your great 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 grandmother eating and doing and how was she exercising how she's sleeping and spending her day and let's try to emulate a little bit more of that because while it wasn't perfect yeah. you know it was a little bit more balanced than we are today
0: yeah, yeah I was I think they had a little more time I mean a long time ago I had a, a functional practitioner and she said you know at three o'clock in the afternoon, before children came home from school, um, your great, 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 great grandmother would have sat down. And in England, she would have had a cup of tea and a small piece of cake. And she would have just had, my work in the house is done. Uh, I'm going to take this window and just sit down quietly. Probably, maybe she had the, you know, she was at the time and she had the radio or she just sat down somewhere quietly, took that 20 minutes. And then the children were ready. We don't do that. She said, we drive through all day. We're up and we don't stop. And there's a lot of um outward attention, isn't there, Jennifer? All the time. Something calling out of us, you know, look at this social media, update this, do this, do that. And and we're exhausted. We're brain tired and, and physically tired.
1: I just I love that picture. It even calmed me down to think about that picture of a mom just sitting down with tea at 3 p.m. and cake and You're right. You're right. We've lost it. And in it, we've lost ourselves, who we are, you know, kind of as women, right? We're we're driving and pushing and trying to really push into that masculine side of of who we are because we think that makes us stronger and better. And it doesn't, it just takes away from, you know, our softness and our femininity and and the way we're created to nurture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, women to just get back to that, to enjoy, you know, being a woman again, (laughs) um, we've got to slow down. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that. And that's, that's the hardest thing, I think, for many women today, because it feels relentless. Um, the pace of everything is relentless. And rest isn't seen, is it, Jennifer, as being particularly productive or valued? And there's a lot of guilt associated with it.
1: It's really too bad, because you're absolutely right. It is. Women feel feel guilty for sitting down for a little bit or for doing nothing and it's kind of funny too I just think that even you know if we're on our phone if we're scrolling through social media that feels like we're doing something being active we don't feel bad about that but we do feel bad about you know sitting down and having a cup of tea with nothing else happening it's kind of funny
0: and I think that's interesting isn't it because actually social's very tiring and and very um, overstimulating. It's not at all relaxing to look at, look at there and scroll. Um, whereas just having you know, a sit, we'd be lots of women would say to me, "I can't do that." Yeah, can't do that. And they said, "Would you like to meditate and try?" And they, and they and they you can see that it's really hard because the system has been wired to 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 breaking. Absolutely. So it sounds like the protocol for your, your, your group is actually very straightforward, very, very feet on the ground. Yeah? I
1: hope so. I like to make it practical, which it sounds like you do as well, Clarissa. So I'm so glad <laughs> to hear we're aligned on that because I think it is a really important message to give women. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be consistent.
0: Exactly. And I, I love that. Um, and I think... You know, there's hope then, isn't it? That we can, you know, maintain a healthy weight, see our symptoms under control, because you must notice, Jennifer, that women, when women follow this protocol, it plays through to their perimenopausal symptoms. Tell a bit about in what way that that shows up.
1: Absolutely. And this is one of my favorite things to see. And it starts happening fairly quickly is, um, you know, they start sleeping better, they have more energy during the day, more 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 mental acuity so less brain fog um, their gut starts feeling better which makes them definitely happier they start digesting food a little bit better now they're eating enough food yeah. it takes about a month to three months for us to see the hormone symptoms start to dissipate um, but a lot of that you know energy and and mood um, change comes pretty quickly
0: yeah it's really really interesting isn't it that that can turn that that around. And, and I think that's, if you're out, an outside person listening, you think, really? But it's really true that within a few weeks of making some of these small interventions, we can see a shift. And obviously things we worry about, like weight, tends to then, as you said, uh, drop back, level up, level out. And we're not seeing this 20, 30 pounds. That can often go away, can't it? Or a large part of it can go away.
1: True. It, yes, yes, that does happen. When the body is is nourished and calm, the weight tends to come off.
0: Yeah, because we're holding on to the weight because we think something terrible is going to happen. Yes, we, yeah, that's our natural yeah. that's <laughs> right. our natural reaction. That's what we've been doing since Stone Age. You know, right. I'm very stressed. I'm just going to hold on to this in case something really bad happens. Yeah, and then when it doesn't, yeah. we... I can let go now. That's wonderful. Jennifer, you know, I love talking to you. I think it's nice to meet someone whose whole approach is so aligned. Tell me how, or tell my listeners, more importantly, how they can learn more about your, your wonderful organization and get in touch, start working with you.
1: And Clarissa, thank you. It it, Really, you've probably seen me smiling this whole time. I've just enjoyed sitting here. I almost feel like we're having a cup of tea together. So it's just been a blessing and privilege to be on with you today. So thank you. (laughs) Um, And yeah, if, 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 you know, your listeners are interested in, you know, doing something like what I do when you do. So, uh, you can go to functional We have a wonderful self-paced certification program where you can learn how to run the functional labs that I do with clients and get them, you know, these, these database results. So, um, functional diagnostic And then you can find me online at Jennifer Woodward nutrition on Instagram and Facebook and Google. I'd love to chat with anyone about perimenopause. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is wonderful we're going to put that in the show notes and and it's just been a pleasure to have you here and, and to have this conversation thank you so much for coming on thriving through menopause jennifer and i think being a ray of hope in in this uh, space of perimenopause and menopause
1: thank you so much Clarissa. i appreciate the opportunity <laughs> so
0: Well, I hope you gained value from a great overview of perimenopause and menopause and how you can manage it from Jennifer Woodward. Do check out her website and the FDN uh, website that she's connected to if you want to learn more about how you could thrive in menopause. And stay tuned next week because I will have Dr. Alicia Jackson founder of ever now which is taking the u.s market by storm in terms of digital menopause medical support and she's going to be sharing with you the results of probably the most comprehensive survey that has ever been undertaken on menopause in the u.s that's over a hundred thousand answers really fascinating eye-opening so stay tuned and if you enjoy this podcast. Uh, Don't forget to like, subscribe and share it so more women can gain knowledge and support from myself and my guests. Until next week, go well.